Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Now on Bloomberg 99.1. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli, live from the Democratic presidential debate in Atlanta on Bloomberg Radio. A touchdown in Atlanta. But first, we've got to get through that Gordon Sondland testimony, the latest on what it means for impeachment as it relates to that bombshell testimony earlier today on Capitol Hill. I was there, and you've got to hear the exchanges, President Trump defending himself, and of course, a full preview of tonight's fifth Democratic presidential debate. I'm here live in Atlanta. Wendy Benjaminson is here, Bloomberg News politics editor, Joel Payne, Democratic strategist, and Tyler Pager, fresh off the campaign chair, trail, Bloomberg News national political correspondent, and we'll check in for an economic update with Rob Shapiro of Sonicon. He, of course, is a prominent Democratic insider as it relates to matters on the economy. We're going to pick his brain on Medicare for all and whether or not it's a smart policy for Senator Elizabeth Warren to be discussing tonight. But first, Gordon Sondland. Gordon Sondland testifying earlier today on Capitol Hill and, well... Let's just roll the tape. Here's what he had to say before the House Intelligence Committee as it relates to a quid pro quo with Ukraine. Here he is. I know that members of this committee frequently frame these complicated issues in the form of a simple question. Was there a quid pro quo? As I testified previously with regard to the requested White House call and the White House meeting, the answer is yes. That was Gordon Sondland, the hand-picked diplomat for all matters by President Trump as it relates to the European Union. He went on to say that this was something that top officials from Vice President Mike Pence to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo to the Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney were all aware about. Take a listen to that. State Department was fully supportive of our engagement in Ukraine efforts and was aware that a commitment to investigations was among the issues we were pursuing. President Trump, for his part, pushed back and said, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Here's the president of the United States responding virtually in real time from the White House earlier today in response to Sondland. This is not a man I know well. Seems like a nice guy, though. But I don't know him well. He was with other candidates. He actually supported other candidates. Not me. Came in late. Joining me here from Atlanta at the Tyler 
uh, Perry Studios, Wendy Benjaminson, Bloomberg News Politics, editor Joel Payne, a Democratic strategist, and Tyler Pager, who is our campaign trail reporter. Wendy, let me start with you in terms of what your takeaway is with regards to whether or not this morning's testimony in Washington changes the trajectory at all and puts the president at risk for losing Republican support. Well, I I don't think it's actually going to change the trajectory of what will happen. I still think all House Republicans will vote against impeachment, and any effort to try him in the Senate will fail. He'll be acquitted in the Senate. But I do think that it certainly changed the public perception a little bit that today's testimony was a Trump appointee, a guy who gave enough to the Trump campaign to win the ambassadorship to the European Union in Brussels, and he said everything, he said there was a quid pro quo, that there was an agreement that if you... If you announce an investigation into the Bidens and into the DNC hacking, that I will give you military aid. You know, that's such a great point. Joel, uh, the White House is pushing back against this. I I, I played what President Trump had to say. uh, And uh, literally, as I was leaving Longworth, the, the building where the House Intelligence Committee held this hearing today, I got a statement that was put out by the vice president's chief of staff. Uh, who says that the meetings that Gordon Sondland testified under oath never happened, that the conversations never happened between Vice President Pence uh, and Gordon Sondland as it relates to this, as it relates to Burisma Holdings and Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, that those conversations never happened. Similar statement put out by uh, Rick Perry of the Energy Department. Well, I think that linkage between Trump, Pence, Pompeo, Perry, that's the real revelation from today. Um, the fact that you have a Trump appointee, regardless of whether the president says he knows him. I, you know, it's so funny. We're in a world where the president will rather tell you that he doesn't know who his ambassador to the European Union is versus acknowledging what he is testifying under oath at the House Intelligence Committee. But that we have that person who is a Trump insider testifying that all the things that the whistleblower has reported in the whistleblower's complaint is true and is accurate. Now, what makes this difficult for Democrats is that Sondland is a bit of a complicated witness because he's had to go back, I think, three times now and change his testimony. That's been provoked by some of the and other I testimony I got to interrupt there you well. there. Yeah. Three times, not once, not twice, three times he has modified his testimony. And, and, and candidly, when I talked to senior aides to Republicans on Capitol Hill this morning, they were shaking their head at that. They couldn't believe it, that if the tables were turned, and their, from their perspective, a, a key witness, the key witness, changing their story three times, pretty damning. That, that is pretty damning, but I, I think the overall trajectory of the story here has not changed. And I agree with Wendy's point that probably if you entered this week dug in on Donald Trump, you're probably still dug in. And if you entered this week not supporting and, and thinking that Trump's behavior is abhorrent, you probably are just as affirmed in that behavior as well. So there's no foundational change in the support structure, but there is a change in the public narrative, not just Sondland, but also the testimony of Volcker and Morrison yesterday. And that, Joel, very well may begin to change the trajectory of Republicans' votes. If Republicans in some districts that are not super super in Trump's base, they may feel safe enough to vote for impeachment. Tyler Pager here at Tyler Perry Studios. Uh, what has Biden world been saying with regards to, to, to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden really being talked about? <laughs> I mean, it was I don't know who was mentioned more, Hunter Biden or, or Donald Trump at that hearing this morning. 
I think they feel totally vindicated by the hearings. They, if you look at the Twitter feeds of, of Democratic, uh, of, of Biden campaign staffers, you will see them actively retweeting all the statements from witnesses that say, look, Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. Joe Biden did nothing wrong. So I think uh, we were met with some Biden campaign officials today, and they said, look, we're going to continue to run our race. We've put that aside. Joe Biden has said he's done nothing wrong. Hunter Biden put out a statement, and they feel confident that their story is is is, is, is bulletproof. What about the notion of, of Republicans calling on Hunter Biden to testify? Is that a real possibility that the campaign feels what could happen? I don't think so. I think really? that, yeah, I think Adam Schiff has kind of put that put that to mm. rest. Um, and and I don't think that, that that's something they're worried about. I think there's some other some other more pressing issues in the, in the Democratic yeah. race that, that they're putting there. What about those tapes? I think, I, think the, yeah, I think that you're going to be hearing a lot more about that. Coming up, we check in with the Robert Shapiro, the Robert Shapiro, who has an inside look on Medicare for all, and that will be the talk of all of the wonks here in Atlanta as we get ready for the fifth Democratic presidential debate. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli, live from the Democratic presidential debate in Atlanta on Bloomberg 99.1. I made it here to Atlanta after covering Gordon Solid. It was an adventure. That Atlanta airport, never a dull moment in ATL. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio, coming at you live from inside of the Tyler Perry studios, not the Tyler Pager studios. Tyler Pager is also here off the campaign trail, taking a breather from the campaign trail to cover tonight's fifth Democratic presidential debate, as is Joel Payne, a Democratic strategist and one of our many bosses here, the Wendy Benjaminson, Bloomberg News politics editor. But Robert Shapiro is back in Washington. Couldn't make it to Atlanta with me, unfortunately, <laughs> Robert. I uh, wish so, you were there. <laughs> so, you know, you're here with us. I'm so excited you're here because uh, you know, you've advised everyone from former President Bill Clinton, UK Prime Minister Tony Blair, senior members of the Obama cabinet and administration, as well as a host of different other folks from at the International Monetary Fund, U.S. senators and congresspeople alike. And you've got this excellent piece out about Medicare for all. And I, as soon as I saw it, I reached out to you and said, you've got to come on for the debate show because this is the first debate since Senator Elizabeth Warren has put out her Medicare for All plan. Walk us through what you're going to be looking for from these top-tier candidates tonight as it relates to Medicare for All. Well, I think what we're going to see is uh, Elizabeth Warren edging further and further away from Medicare for All. Wow. Uh, moving towards the consensus position. The You know, I, I saw a very recent poll of 3,000 people in Michigan, and among those who have private group coverage, that is, who have coverage through their jobs, um, 60% called their coverage either excellent or good, and another 30% called it acceptable. That's 90%. Wow. The fact is, uh, telling people that the government is going to forbid them to continue private insurance um, is poison politically. You know, Robert, I think that's a really interesting point because just within the last 48 hours, there's been this Obama headline. Did you see this? He was talking yes. to PBS and he says, don't be, quote unquote, too revolutionary 
as a candidate. That to me, Rob, you know, I'm a straight shooter. That felt like a clear message to Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I think the problem isn't so much that it's revolutionary. The problem is it doesn't work. Uh, The Medicare program today has about 63 million people. We're talking about adding 227 million more people. 227 million, wow. To Medicare. The cost, I did another study uh, recently on the capacity of the tax system to finance that. And so what I said was, okay, here's the cost of the Sanders-Warren plan, according to the Urban Institute and the Mercatus Center. Um, What would it take if we were using the taxes we already have to pay for it? Well, if you increased all payroll taxes by 50 percent and you increased all income taxes by 50 percent, and you increased all corporate taxes by 100%, it would cover 70% of the cost of the Sanders-Warren plan. So the fact is, the current tax system just doesn't have the capacity to finance it. And, Uh, Robert, you're right about this. That's very true. Also, she has begun to back off, as you suggested at the top, back off at least the timing of the plan. She now says she'll do a mini Medicare for all in her first 100 days that would cover children under 18 and families who make less than 50 grand a year. And then in three years, she will begin Medicare for all. At the that point, of course, she would be running for re-election or a lame job. And that, that's a, such a great point. That's a, I mean, just to hear just what Robert says in terms of the backing off, and then you have this already pre-debate walkback of sorts, acknowledging the political reality that Wendy has alluded to. Joel, come in here. You're a Democratic strategist. Take us. We heard about the policy from Rob. Take us into the politics of this. Yeah, I'll just talk about the strategy. I think the Warren camp somewhat overreacted. I think they took a lot of incoming, um, not just at the last debate, but in the time period between now and the last debate, on how they could pay for the plan and whether they can play, pay for the plan. And I think that they felt like they needed to put this very robust pay-for out there. And I actually don't think that that serves their best interests. I think that puts a lot of emphasis on how much it costs. And I don't necessarily think that's what Elizabeth Warren needs to be talking about. She needs to be talking about vision yeah. and about how you negotiate on health care, not necessarily on a final plan. Robert, let me switch gears here and turning to trade yeah. policy and economics. Uh, trade has been something that has not necessarily come up as frequently as, as we would have. Uh, as uh, I guess I'm I guess I'm biased as a financial <laughs> services nerd. <laughs> but I mean, but when are we going to are we going to hear about trade and tariffs? Uh, you know, I mean, there are some differences on that front. Where, where are the candidates? in that regard, Rob? Well, I think we're going to hear about that, frankly, in the general election campaign. Within the primary conversation of Democrats, it's a very fine line you have to walk between the damage that these tariffs do uh, to farmers and manufacturing workers, and we're already seeing that. Manufacturing is in decline right now. Um, And the defense of the of of the our current trade agreements, which is not popular in the Democratic Party. Tyler Pager uh, just walked on to uh, onto the studio. He's our campaign trail uh, reporter. Uh, and Tyler, when you talk to farmers, what are they saying about these tariffs? What are you hearing from them? Yeah, so I've actually spent some time in Wisconsin talking to farmers about this issue, um, and they are hurting, and they know that um, this is something that 
that they have long said that that trade policy needs to be renegotiated, and they think that 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 the the U.S. has gotten the raw end of the deal there. Um, and and a lot of them. Um, however, are still sticking by the president. Um, and one of the things that you see in the Democratic par- primary right now is there hasn't been a whole host of robust policy about how the Democratic candidates would do trade differently. They will criticize Trump's approach mm-hmm. to trade, saying something along the lines of trade policy by tweet doesn't work. But they have have not so far yet put out policy that would suggest they would approach this issue vastly different from how Trump is doing it. Um, and I think that that uh, illustrates kind of the divide in, in the party about, about right. how to deal with Trump and his, his they policy. They like tariffs. They like the Packers, who are having actually a pretty good year. Coming up, panel stays. Robert Shapiro, Wendy Benjaminson, Joel Payne, Tyler Pager. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We're coming at you live here from Atlanta ahead of the fifth Democratic presidential debate. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli, live from the Democratic presidential debate in Atlanta on Bloomberg 99.1. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Breaking news, headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal. According to a source close to the president, the president is expected to sign the Hong Kong support for the protesters legislation. Now, remember, that advanced unanimously yesterday. The bill put forth by Senator Marco Rubio, the Republican from Florida, the legislation would make it easier for the administration to issue sanctions against Chinese individuals and Hong Kong individuals who are working against the Hong Kong protesters. It's also going to show support for the Hong Kong protesters. This is breaking news, and it's why I am incredibly grateful and lucky (laughs) to have Robert Shapiro back holding down the (laughs) fort for us in the Washington, D.C. Bureau. He has advised uh, countless presidents, including former President Bill Clinton, as well as Obama. He's advised lawmakers and folks on the IMF, Tony Blair. The list goes on and on. All right, so to take us behind the scenes here, the president really hasn't spoken out forcefully in favor of the Hong Kong protesters, but, well, he really got backed into a corner with this one. Well, yes and no. He's backed in a corner, kind of the the symbolism of it. But the fact is, the legislation doesn't require him to impose sanctions on China, which he's which he certainly doesn't want to do at this time, uh, because it will make uh, resolving the trade talks with China 
all that much harder. And, and that's just that's where I want to take this because the backdrop to all of this and what a quick turnaround just in terms of the president signaling that he is going to sign this legislation. Likely, if you if if history is is any indication by the end of the week would be the timetable. Uh, but ahead of the December 15th deadline, Robert Shapiro of Sonicon, uh, <laughs> you know that's when the additional tariffs are set to go on. And China has said they're going to retaliate should the president sign this. So there could be some volatility coming to phase one of the U.S.-China trade talks. Well, there could be volatility coming to the whole U.S. economy if that happens. The fact is that though the next round of tariffs would be so far-reaching and so damaging to the economy, which is already slowing down, that it is the kind of event which can tip a weakening economy into a downturn. I'm not predicting that, but Mm -hmm. I am saying that if we have these, if the next round of tariffs goes through, uh, I think we'll be lucky to have 1.5% growth next year and, and just to pro- give, probably somewhat less. And just to give some credit to my colleague Daniel Flatley, he broke this story. He's our Bloomberg congressional reporter specializing in national security. Robert, thank you so much for, for helping us out today and for guiding us through the policy and the politics. You've been so generous with your time. When I'm back in D.C., let's get some sushi. We've got a lot to catch Anytime. up on. Anytime. Thank you. Anytime, thank you. Kevin. I appreciate that. That's Robert Shapiro. Uh, joining us here in Atlanta to, to navigate through the other big story. There's so many big stories today. Wendy Benjaminson, Bloomberg News National Politics Editor, Joel Payne, Democratic Strategist, and of course, the Tyler Pager, our campaign trail reporter. Wendy, all right, back to the debate. Back to the debate. We were talking about Hong Kong and the issue of trade. What other policy areas are you going to be looking for tonight on the debate stage? Well, certainly, as we discussed earlier, Medicare for all. This is where this is a big opening for uh, the moderates on the stage, Biden, Buttigieg, other people, to to go in to Elizabeth, and attack Elizabeth Warren on that. That's one. Um, you know, there are the the tax issues are always you know a perennial. Uh, you know, maybe they'll bring up climate change this time. I don't know. Joel, you were telling me in the break that Pete Buttigieg, the South Bend mayor, is a quote unquote political animal. Why? Athlete. Athlete. Sorry. But sorry. Because he's running for political president, he is absolutely a political animal yeah, as well. So political I will animal, own that as well. Animal. Yeah. Completely fine with Not that. Not us, Wendy. He, 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 is a, he is a, I call him a political athlete because all of the kind of things that you would expect from your politicians, public speaking, um, ability to kind of win the room, a, a, ability to present on television, he is so good at all of those things. And I think that what we're starting to see with those, those poll numbers going up in places like Iowa and New Hampshire, is the the money in the organization starting to catch up with the popular support? Joe, which there. athlete would he be? Oh boy! Well, you, I'm probably you, you a point guard. Probably that. a point guard because uh, he's not the largest man in the world. Which one? Um, maybe Steve Nash. How about that? Steve That's pretty Nash. Good, I like that right? comparison. Pete Buttigieg is Steve Nash, so he's not Allen Iverson. No, he's not the answer. Uh, oh yeah, there's only one answer. Uh, Tyler Pager, Pete Buttigieg. He's got to he's got to uh, talk about experience. Factor. I mean, the big story tonight is he's going to be at the center of all yeah. of these attacks. He is now the front runner in Iowa. Pull, uh, just a recent Des Moines Register CNN poll. The Iowa poll shows him up nine percentage nine points, nine percentage which points, which is a huge gain um, for him over the past few months. And so, I really think that the big storyline is. Who is going to attack him, and how does he fare with with that incoming? We saw with Elizabeth Warren in the last debate, 
she kind of stumbled a little bit in certain areas when she was the the main the main. main Not show. to defend Elizabeth Warren or any of the candidates, but that debate was like three hours long. I mean, how do you keep composed when you can speak? And I'm making light of it, but. Yeah. Well, but we're asking these people to be commander in chief and leader of the Political free world. Athletes. And, and Steve Nash. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so, yes, you're going to have to be able to stand there for three hours and defend your positions. I agree with Tyler that, that it is Pete Buttigieg's night to make something of the momentum he has. The trouble is then he leaves here and his, all of his momentum is in Iowa and a little bit in New Hampshire. You know, the other early states are not, at the moment, great Buttigieg territory. Let me also throw another name out there for us to watch. is Amy Klobuchar. Agreed. And, and here's why. Her numbers, you know, the Judge boom has been the one that's been covered. But it's really Klobuchar. If you look at her numbers in Iowa, New Hampshire, nationally, she's really seen like a surge. I mean, she was in the land of the one percenter. She's now in the high one percent. And she's kind of in a position. Oh, wow. I mean, well, wait. But, no, but that's no, significant. I, I, that is a significant growth. Yeah. That, that's a significant <laughs> amount of growth for yes, a candidate it is. No, it with is. the amount of money she's got in her war chest and her national profile. And I think that her as kind of the, the uh, scion of the Midwest, so to speak, I think she's got a really interesting place in this field. Also, it is directly correlated to how Joe Biden is doing. And as Biden continues a perceived or real fall, Klobuchar is, is, is positioned to strike. I spoke to Senator Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware, who, you know, is one of his top surrogates uh, for Biden world earlier today on Capitol Hill before I got here to Atlanta. Uh, and and he said that, that they're fully prepared for Nevada, for uh, all of the Midwestern primaries. I mean, they, they want to take this thing as long as it will go. Other names, Andrew Yang, Tyler Pager, Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard. What are we going to hear from them? I, I mean, those are the two <laughs> wild cards on the debate stage. I, I don't. I, I, Andrew Yang has a staying power. I think he, he raised ten million dollars in the last quarter, um, outraising a lot of senators in the race, um, established politicians. He has a core group of supporters. I, I don't see uh, a big big launch for him. I think he's going to stay around for a long, a little while. He's close to qualifying for the next debate. Um, so it depends. Does he go on the offensive? He hasn't really done so yet. Um, and Tulsi Gabbard, I think, is, is kind of in the same boat. Biden's numbers are also really stubborn. And, and it doesn't fit the narrative that I think a lot of kind of the chattering class in D.C. who started to give up on Biden a bit. But his numbers are really stubborn in places like South Carolina, in New Hampshire, in Iowa, and nationally, and in Nevada. I saw a recent Nevada poll that had him up five to six points. I agree so with everything you're saying. I, I, I think Joe Biden, you know, is probably not he is probably not the people's champion of Democrats right now, but his numbers are really, really stubborn. That's the word I'll use. And I think that people really do think that or they know him well enough to know that, you know, there's a possibility he could defeat Trump. And we know everything there is to know about Joe Biden. And now we need to know everything there is to know about his kid. And, um, you know, his numbers have really stayed pretty solid in the front nationally. He's not doing well in Iowa, as as Tyler has reported. Um, he is, uh, you know, struggling in some other places. But man, South Carolina loves him and Nevada loves him. I mean, you cannot win the Democratic pri- primary. You cannot be the Democratic nominee without the support of, of black voters. They are a crucial constituency in this Democratic Party. And so far, the only person that is really doing well with, with, with those voters is Joe Biden. And if you, if, if other candidates cannot make 
inroads with that with that voting block, it's going to be really difficult for them to get the nomination. That's true. Although we talked to a guy yesterday, Johnny Cordero down in South Carolina, who's I think with the South Carolina Democratic Black Caucus. Johnny and, Cordero. Yeah. And he said that Biden's support comes from the older black churchgoers, but the millennials and the younger voters might be looking at someone else. But the reliable voters are those older black churchgoers. But, but I always have said this. I don't like when, when any of us, not, not not anyone here, but when anyone in the political world groups every Christian as like one monolithic voting block. There's a lot of different type of Christians all over all over the world. All right, enough I, of the I, gospel according to Kev. I, I agree with that, Kevin, but can I just add, <laughs> as, as an African-American, I normally would be the first person trumpeting that. The numbers do suggest, though, that African-American voters in South Carolina are behaving as one voting block right now. Well, there's a network. I think now. they have a network, and, 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 and I, I, would ag- I would argue that that that's that that's t- totally true, and then on, but I, I guess my my assessment is based more on the Christian evangelical right conservative movement because there's a ton of different model blocks there. All right, coming up, what's on the panel's radar as it relates to the debate? Talk about a busy news day. Hong Kong, Gordon Sondland, Democratic presidential debate. Did I cover it all? Wendy Benjaminson, Joel Payne, Tyler Pager. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Again, Bloomberg exclusively reporting on the Bloomberg terminal. President Trump expected to sign into law that Hong Kong support bill for those protesters. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli, live from the Democratic presidential debate in Atlanta on Bloomberg 99.1. I'm Kevin, I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Last night, I was at the Bipartisan Policy Center's first inaugural Thanksgiving feast, and there was a host of different lawmakers there in both parties. And they say that, uh, that Thanksgiving can be a time where you don't have to talk about politics. They have this whole menu of conversation starters on how to avoid talking about controversial political topics. I just um, tell people as soon as they walk in the front door, no politics. That's Sit Wendy Benjaminson. <laughs> she needs no introduction. Wendy Benjaminson, Bloomberg Politics Editor. That Joel Payne's here, Democratic Strategist and Campaign Trail Reporter Tyler Perry for Bloomberg. Or Tyler Pager. I did it again. We are at the Tyler Perry Studios in Atlanta with Tyler Pager. Say that three times fast. Wendy, all right, so we've got the fifth Democratic presidential debate. See, but you and I differentiate, just to pick up on this Thanksgiving thing. And my, where I grew up, outside of Philly and Delco, all we did was talk politics. It's why I am where I am today, for better or worse, Wendy. <laughs> and you share drumsticks, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We always debated politics in our house. I come from a politically diverse family. Uh, okay, so we've got, uh, we're, here we are with this debate. I am going to put a Democratic debate spin on my favorite segment, which is what is on your radar. So be thinking of this debate, be thinking of the 2020 race and take us into something beyond just Medicare, beyond just these broader policy, but but really take us behind the scenes. Uh, I will start with Joel Payne, our Democratic strategist. Go ahead. I think it's the fate of the Kamala Harris campaign, Ooh, um, brilliant. which 
look, there's been reporting about some internal strife, which generally happens when you go from 20% to 3% in three months. Um, while they are plenty well-funded, um, I think that there is a directionlessness about the campaign that's been reported on in that the candidate, while promising, and is the type of candidate that, like, if you were building a candidate for, in, in a lab, it's Kamala Harris in today's environment. But she hasn't connected. And she hasn't Why? kind of made the... I, you know what? I think it may be a matter of strategy. If I was her campaign, I'd really focus her in South Carolina. I would maybe spend less time in Iowa, New Hampshire. I'd think about California banking votes. I'd think about Nevada. I don't know if she plays to all of these early primary states. But regardless, there's no strategy that is, is communicated publicly, and that's a problem. Do you think the Biden campaign would ever forgive her for that first debate? I, I, I don't get the sense that it was an unforgivable sin. It did, however, it's interesting. Similar to Rubio and Christie and how yes. in f- four years ago, Christie yes. kind of exposed Rubio. That kind of exposed Joe Biden. So while it didn't benefit her, it did the work of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and mm. Pete Buttigieg because she really demonstrated that Joe Biden was a weak front runner at that time. Tyler Pager and Tyler Perry Studios, what's on your radar? It's Pete Buttigieg. It's whether or not he can hold this lead and and how he does as a frontrunner. I mean, he's he had a rise earlier this year, then it kind of faded away, and now he's back and has a commanding lead in Iowa, doing well in New Hampshire. And it's really, can he withstand the barrage of criticism and attacks that he's going to get? We've seen candidates and their allies foreshadowing the type of attack lines we're going to start to see. And, and I'm really interested to see how he performs. And with that, does he make any inroads with black voters? I don't necessarily How see a path to the nomination um, if if he doesn't. Um, and so that that's those are the two big questions I have. What did he do? And what, what was the incident that really uh, stunted his growth in making inroads with the African American community? I, I don't think he's never made inroads with the African American community. So it's not one incident. I think there have been opportunities and there's been some missteps by the campaign. In the most recent South Carolina poll, he's at less than 1% with black voters. However, the the number that the campaign would point to is that there's a high percentage of voters that don't know him. And so that they think there's an opportunity to introduce him. There's also an opportunity for his opponents to define him. I I don't think he's disqualified himself with black voters. I think black voters are acting very pragmatically. I think they want to see how Buttigieg does in Iowa and New Hampshire. We've seen that before with people like Barack Obama. So I I don't think there has been a disqualifying event. I think there have been some discouraging events, but I think he's still got a a window into black support if he can develop that over the course of the early primaries. He's an economic centrist, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays. Uh, Wendy, what's on your radar? I would like to see Joe Biden live up to his poll numbers. I I mean, I have seen speeches that Joe Biden has made that people are on their feet. They are cheering. they They love him. He's warm. He's friendly. And he... He needs to get up there and command the stage. And I don't know if I have yet to see him really do that. He's come close a couple of times. He's had okay performances. But if he is the national frontrunner, he ought to command the stage. Uh, okay, what's on my radar? Marianne Williamson. Just kidding. Uh, but she did tweet out today that America needs a mother in the White House. Uh, but Marianne Williamson is not on the stage tonight. But I, you know, keep up on the socials. Uh, Bernie Sanders, someone we didn't talk a lot about. Bernie Sanders is on my radar tonight. Uh, he is consistently a top-tier candidate. He has completely mobilized millennials, uh, the younger generation of millennials as it relates to college students. Uh, He's the college campus candidate. And go ahead, Tyler, quickly. Yeah, I heard from my Iowa sources this week that 
there's a lot of energy and excitement yeah. from voters and from the Bernie Sanders campaign about his chances there. They feel good there. And and he's really, you know, in, in terms of drawing a contrast as a, as a candidate of change, when Obama in the same week is saying, don't be too revolutionary, that plays right into Bernie Sanders wanting that. He's reading the political tea leaves very differently than a lot of these other candidates are. Elizabeth Warren, we should also note, just picked up earlier today uh, – uh, a prominent progressive activist, Addie Barkan, who endorsed Senator Warren's campaign. This is a prominent voice in the left-wing circles uh, and definitely a, a, a surrogate that Sanders would have liked. I want to thank everybody. Robert Shapiro, Wendy Benjaminson, Joel Payne, Tyler Pager. This was such a treat. We covered it all. Thank you very much for helping me do it. Uh, we're here in Atlanta bringing you the latest of the fifth Democratic presidential debate. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.